welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard. I'm actually here sitting, uh, putting the final touches on John Tesh songs and stories from the Grand Piano, our latest PBS special. I'm actually here right now in the edit bay doing this podcast intro with our editor, Young Kim, NYU school, uh, film school grad, who's been doing a great job of editing our show for us. Uh, and, and we are putting, again, the final touches, the last little bit of stuff as we get ready to submit this to to public television. Young, do you have anything you want to say, or are you good over there? It's been a great time. Seven months of editing. Seven months of editing, he just said. So we're really excited to bring you that. You can find all the information that you need about that by checking out Tesh.com. Also want to remind you guys that we have uh, the new Tesh.com store. So store.tesh.com, link in the show notes for where you can uh, where you can find that and and buy all things John Tesh, including the album for this new special and the DVD for this new special when it comes out. Look for it again on public television. But our guest today is Ryan Gottfriedson, PhD. He is a uh, he is a, a a success coach. He is a leadership consultant, and he has developed uh, an amazing mindset assessment tool that will help you understand what it is about the way that you're approaching, not your fixed personality, but your mindset and your approach and why that stands between you and being the most successful version of yourself. So we are going to dive deep into it. Also, you're going to have a link to where you can take the assessment in the show notes. Highly recommend it. I did it. I did it before the interview. Um, and and, and it, it was very illuminating where I need to grow in order to become more successful, where I have all kinds of problems. So we're going to dive deep into what it is, where, what different continuums in our mindset, in our approach to life, are standing in the way of us and success, and how, most importantly, how we can overcome the negative sides of those things and move towards a place of, of success. So here we go. Without further ado, Ryan Gottfriedson, PhD, success coach, going to talk to us about his mindset assessment tool. Dr. Ryan Gottfriedson, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Hey, thanks for having me on, and thanks for trusting me to put me in front of all of your great listeners. You're welcome. <laughs> so uh, I, I actually took you have this you have this mindset website that that evaluates uh, a lot of our preconceived notions about the world and whether or not that works for. I mean, you're an expert in leadership and in management, so so whether that works for an entrepreneurial leadership mindset. Uh, whether our own personal mindset kind of fits into the where the economy is now, which is this sort of entrepreneurial leadership concept. So I guess my question for you first and foremost is, how do you define a mindset? Well, I have an understanding of what mindset means, but first and foremost, what is mindset so that we at least have uh, a good working definition as we go deeper into this? Yeah, for sure. And we could get at this at different depths. Let me start at the very basic level. Our mindsets are the mental lenses that we wear that shape how we view the world. Mm -hmm. And so the idea being is if we can understand our mindsets and how we see the world, then that will shape how we think, how we learn, and how we behave. Mm. See, here's the kicker. 95% of all of our thinking, feeling, judging, and acting is driven by our non-conscious automatic processes. I agree with that. Right? Yeah. And so... This is, you know, we're, we're here talking about your intelligence for your life. And mm -hmm. here what I'm suggesting is that 95% of our life is driven by things that we generally aren't conscious of. Mm -hmm. And the things that actually drive these non-conscious automatic processes are our mindsets. And so if we could become conscious of our mindsets, 
then we could be more intelligent about our life. Yeah, I mean, because I, I feel like half of meditation and mindfulness concepts is about making us aware of the things that we unconsciously do and unpacking some of that stuff. I mean, it's so yeah. much, so much of uh, of cognitive therapy of, of 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 sitting down and talking to people, uh, talking to a therapist is about getting to the forefront, getting to your consciousness the behavior and pain that you're experiencing. And and I feel like, again, so much of what we do, I mean, you, you say 95%, and I believe it, uh, is is a reaction that we have that comes from something that we we think is conscious, but is really coming from somewhere else. And and our perception is completely seen through that lens. So yes, I, I, I buy that. I buy that for the mindset uh, concept. So, so you want to create these four, I, I, I don't know, I don't know, these four, sort of subtypes to understand the lens that we're using to view the world? Is that, is that the, is yeah. That... So the basic idea is, I mean, I'm, I'm fully on board with the idea of mindfulness and meditation. I think this, what I, the way that I come at it gets at that in a different way than mm-hmm. what most people are used to. Um, I think mindfulness and meditation do a great job of loosening, loosening up some of the neural connections within our brain that cause us to rely upon certain trains of thought and allows us greater cognitive flexibility. And as you talk about, we need to, we need to have our unconscious to become conscious. Well, we could do that by just kind of trying to meditate, talking to people and things like that. But what if we could streamline it? Hmm. What, could, what if we could streamline the ability to identify our non-conscious automatic processes, or in other words, these mindsets that are driving our non-conscious automatic processes. And so what I've done as an academic is I've gone into the academic literature and I've searched out to identify what are different mindsets that researchers have found that shape how we think, how we learn, and how we behave at a non-conscious level. Mm. And what I found is that there are mindsets have been studied for decades across different fields, such as psychology, education, right, right. management, and marketing. Yeah, I mean, what, and, what is type A versus type C and type B personalities except for a mindset assessment? Well, so so that's you bring up a really good point or, or a point that is important to make is we can slice our di- slice and dice ourselves in a wide variety right, of ways, right, right, right? right so at the ver- and we could list these in order of stability mm. so something like personality is a rather stable trait about ourselves yeah, i love the Where, Enne- i love the enneagram i don't know if you've done that but that's it yeah yeah and i'm a f- i'm a little bit more familiar with other strengths or talent assessments mm-hmm. like a clifton strengths finder assessment right. um and, and so these things we generally think that they're rather stable attributes about ourselves. Got it. On the other side of the continuum are things that are less stable. These are things like our attitudes, our emotions, and our moods. Mm. These are things that could change on a, on a pretty frequent basis. Yeah. Our mindset. Not a big assumption well, that I'm, a, that I, that I'm, my moods swing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It happens to all of us. Right. right. And right in the middle in this continuum is where our mindsets fall. So these are semi-stable traits about ourselves. Interesting. uh, Which is great because when you look at personality, this is helpful for us to know how to navigate the situations that we're in. When we focus on mindsets, these are things that are a little less stable, but 
but they are able to change. And once we change them, they stick around for a little while. Mm. This makes them ideal to focus on for our personal development, because these are, again, things that we could change. And then once we change them, they stick around for a while and have, and if we're changing it for the positive, we're going to have positive effects on our thinking, our learning and our behavior. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, so you, you, like like you said, just to, to go back, you, I mean, you really love continuums, by the way. Your whole personality, your whole mindset <laughs> yeah. assessment is a continuum assessment. But so you 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 have this. You have on one side, you have our basic personality traits, and those you would you would argue are are more innate, ingrained, and just things we have to live with and deal with. On the far side are moods, which uh, you know some people are happy, sometimes some people are mad, sometimes it just it that's variable, and somewhere in the middle are these semi-fixed, and I think lens is actually a really good analogy for it because a lens is relatively rigid, but you can adjust it. Um, and and that's the center, that's the mindset center that sort of uh, reflects both elements, mood and and personality, but also really colors how we see the world um, uh, on a day-to-day basis. Is that, is that Yeah, yes. And here's why they're so important. Because when we enter into a a new environment, well, really any situation, our mindsets play two foundational roles. First, they determine what cues from that environment that we take in. Mm -hmm. You see, every environment has thousands, if not millions of cues, but it's our mindsets that isolate on specific cues. And not only does it isolate on specific cues, but then we interpret those cues in unique ways. Mm. And together, what happens... Yeah, one is person's going to see something and be offended. Another person's going to see something and uh, ignore it. Another, you know, like people are just going to see it yep. in different ways. Right, right, right. Yep, exactly. And so what happens is is the cues that we take we take in and how we interpret them, they activate different elements about ourselves, such as our different personality traits, our mm-hmm. different our mm-hmm. value system, our self regulation systems. And so what this is getting at, and what I'm trying to suggest, is that fundamentally mindsets are foundational to everything that we do because they dictate the information that we take in and how mm. we interpret that information. Mm. Mm. Okay, so what are what are these four basic we'll call them lenses, mindset lenses um or continuums that that you use in your assessment. So what what the four of them are and then I want to talk about why these four slices cuz like you said you can slice uh, part you can slice the mind any number of ways. Yeah. Why these are the why this way of slicing it um, is a good barometer for for workplace success uh, for entrepreneurial and 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 leadership success. Yeah, and I think it's it's even broader than that. It's life success because we don't we take our mindsets into every context in which we encounter. And so how I came to focus on the four sets of mindsets that we're going to talk about is these are mindsets that have been studied for decades and they've been demonstrated to affect our thinking, learning, and our behavior. Now, there are other mindsets and other ways to categorize our mindsets. I've just chosen to focus on the ones that have the most scientific evidence behind mm. them. Mm. Um, and, and so we shouldn't you know, shut the door that these are the only four. It's just four that I feel confident right, right, sharing right. with others. Right, 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 right. right. Sure. So the first set that we look at in all of these sets, they range on a continuum, as you mentioned, from negative to positive. And and again, this is decades of research that are demonstrating that there is a negative side and there is a positive side. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Although we can often justify that negative side, oh, uh, particularly for sure. when we have those negative mindsets. Right? Oh, look, man, we are all really good at justifying the negativity in our life against some sort of, that's, that's literally what our, our subconscious mind spends <laughs> 90% of its time doing, right? Is yep. defending our, our bad decisions and making them, you know, the only choice we have. Yeah, for all sure. Right. All right. So, okay, so, this so continuum that, one, go ahead. Yeah. Is the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. So when we have a fixed mindset, we don't believe that we can change our talents, abilities, and intelligence. Mm. When we have a growth mindset, we do believe that we could change our talents, abilities, and intelligence. Right. And here's why this is so important, is if you don't believe that you can change and improve and you hit failure, right? how are you left to interpret that? Right. Well, we're le- we generally interpret that as though we are a failure. Right. And so for those of us who have a fixed mindset, about half of the population has a fixed mindset, our primary focus is on looking good, or in other words, avoiding failure. So we're not likely to approach challenges. We're likely to run from them because we see them as being a, having a high likelihood for failure. But those that have a growth mindset, because they believe that they can learn and grow, they don't see challenges as being a bad thing. They see them as a necessary thing in order for us to learn and grow and right. improve. Right, which is a big so that, so that that continuum is a very popular um, single continuum that is used in like in sort of Silicon Valley entrepreneurship concepts, yep. which is fail fast. You know, uh, uh, or even it goes all the way back to Edison. You know, finding finding ways that it won't work is just as important as finding the ways that it will. Um, and, and again, if, if you have the fixed mindset, every failure is an underscore of the fact that you are fixed in a position of failure versus a growth mindset where every failure is a chance to grow. Yep. Perfect. Well said. Okay. So I, I buy, I buy that one. I buy that. All right. One. Um, <laughs> so I guess the question becomes then how can we begin to cultivate a growth mindset more and more. So while I, I agree with your continuum and your and your fundamental assessment that growth mindset is more popular, I think we all have a tendency uh, because it is uh, mentally easier. I mean, because the, the fixed mindset is it requires less mental energy because things are what you assess them to be from the beginning and are very unlikely to change. So you do not have to expend a lot of mental or physical energy in order to try to change things. You can just accept them for what they are. How do you yeah. begin to cultivate a growth mindset? Because that's harder. Great question. And, and really the principles that I'm going to talk about here apply to the other three continuums that we're going to talk about. Okay. Uh, and, and so what we've got to understand when we're shifting our mindsets. So the, the way that I first defined mindsets was our mental lenses. Right. But in reality, what they are is they are neural connections within our prefrontal cortex that is attached to what's called our associative processing mode. We okay. don't need to get into the details. Let's unnerd oh. word that. So it's yeah. so it's so the mindset is it's a prefrontal cortex. That's where our everything that we think of as personality comes from. It's where our um, it's where our like frontal lobe processing is all of our like conscious processing. Uh, yep. Right? So all of our senses, when we sense something, it sends all of that information to our prefrontal cortex. This is the executive center of our brain. And then what happens is within this prefrontal cortex, we've got neural connections that allows us to um, sift through all of these, these signals in an efficient way. And sometimes we rely more upon negative mindset neural connections to sift through these signals than we easier. do positive mindset neural connections. Because they're easier. Yep, because they're easier. They're louder 
and they're stronger. So they fire more quickly and they fire more loudly. And so the trick is, because we've got both, we've got negative mindset neural connections, we've got positive mindset neural connections. And if we have, if the negative mindset neural connections are stronger, we've got to make sure that we weaken those and that we strengthen the more positive mindset neural connections. And so what that means for us is essentially we've got to intentionally seek out opportunities to exercise those more positive mindset neural connections. It's just like hitting the gym. You can't yeah. hit the gym once and be, and call yourself strong. Prove it. It needs to be a repeat, repeated effort over time. And the same thing goes with our mindset. So we just got to figure out what specific exercises we need to engage in to make that shift. Okay. So for this first one, what are the specific exercises? Yeah. So, and, and again, the, the basic ideas are the same uh, across. One is we need to learn more about them. So what we learn is that we, one of the primary ways that we can transform ourselves is through deep learning. So the more that we can learn about these more positive mindsets, the mm. better. Second, what research has found is that literally three minute videos, writing two paragraphs, so journaling, or um, having a conversation uh, or, and going through a training, these are all different ways that research has shown to shift mindsets. And, and so what's really fascinating is these are relatively simple things that we can do. Watch a video, write down a couple paragraphs, go through a training, have a discussion. These take five to 10 minutes, but the value is repeating these over time. Mm. These are the exercises We've just got to be disciplined and being able to to utilize those to shift our mindsets. So I noticed that you have some videos. Um, you have a couple of TED talks that you that you uh, push uh, when uh, to for the growth mindset concept. Are there other places that it's like a repository for growth mindset enforcement that for this first section? Yeah. So if so, the mindset assessment that I've developed is free. Anybody could take it. I'd love to encourage everybody to take it. It's on my website. Look, I, I I took it, and we're just on section one right now. I took it, and I was I learned some things about myself that I I would think of me I would think of myself as more growth. More, I would think of myself as more growth mindseted. <laughs> I don't know the right word uh -huh. uh, as having a growth mindset less fixed. But I found that I'm actually more fixed than average, and there are some areas where I, like. Uh, well, as we get into them, I, I am, uh, I am r more risk averse than I thought, uh, and I am more inwardly focused than I thought. So we'll get to what that means l later on. But I, I learned a lot about myself in doing this. And I think it's important for all of us because data is an important, this is the, the era of data. We need to know where you are in order to know how to improve. Just like if you're, we, you use the lifting weights analogy, you got to know how much weight you can bench press in order to know whether that's acceptable or not and whether you and to know how you're progressing in your in your bench press strength yep for sure and that's the key is learning where you're at and then where you need to go and if people right. were to take the mindset assessment there's there's specific directions or ideas and things that they can do to make those shifts for sure okay so so is there like a repository of videos to to the or, or an area a place that you think I mean, i'm a big fan of journaling so i love that Mm -hmm. Um, but, but, but how do we journal more in the concept of growth mindset and how do we find videos? Like you say, three minute videos, two paragraph writing. And, um, what was the last one? Uh, and then, uh, like trainings, trainings. Okay. And discussions. Yeah. So how do we find those things for the growth mindset concept? 
Yeah, so there are some great TED Talks on mindsets. Eduardo Brasino has some great TED Talks. Uh, in terms of journaling, we can write down or journal about situations in which we took on a challenge and mm. was and we failed, and then what we learned from it. Mm. We could talk about how we take, took on a challenge, maybe one that we didn't want to, and how we learned from it. Um, and, and the more that we write down about what we learned or what we should have learned had we been able to do it over again. Right. Uh, those types of exercises are going to be really helpful with that. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I love that. So that's, that pushes us towards growth mindset. What is the second category? So the second category is the difference between a closed mindset and an open mindset. And how is that different? Because that sounds very similar to fixed versus growth. How is that different? Yep. So when we have a fixed mindset, we don't believe that we could change our talents, abilities, and intelligence. When mm -hmm. we have a growth mindset, we do believe that we can change. So that's about our belief about our changing ourselves. Closed and open is about how open is our mind to the ideas and suggestions of others. Okay. Okay. And and so why is an open mind better than a closed mind? Why why would being open to suggest? I mean, I have some preconceived notions for it, but I'm looking for the data. Why? Yeah. Yeah. So when we ultimately one of the foundational differences between the two is that when we have a closed mindset, we believe that we are right. And when we believe that we are right, we want to be seen as being right. When we have an open mindset, we're open to the idea that we can be wrong. And when we at least leave some space for us to be wrong, then that leads us to focus on finding truth and thinking optimally. So depending on our mindset and how we approach our situations is with a closed mindset, we approach the situations, I want to be seen as being right. So we're the one providing the answers. We're limiting the perspectives of others. When we believe that we can be wrong and we're finding truth, Right. Rather than providing answers, we're asking questions, we're seeking feedback, we're seeking mm. different perspectives. At the end of the day, those with an open mindset create a, an inclusive and psychologically safe environment, which is critical for any group that we are a part of. Family, workplace, friend group, it's, it, it's the ability to understand that you could be wrong or that other ideas might exist that you haven't thought of yet is fundamental to the health of that group. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, for sure, because it allows people to have a voice within that group. You see, having an open mindset doesn't mean that we go with whatever other people say. Mm -hmm. We can always have a stiff back. But the idea of an open mindset is that we also have a soft front. We're just willing to take in the ideas of others, sit with them, validate them. And the degree to which we do so, what we're doing is we're creating uh, engagement by those other people that are in the group. So in fact, Google has found that psychological safety is the number one factor that drives top performance in their yeah. top performing teams. Yeah. yeah and that's heard only that. going to be possible if we have an open mindset. Right. Because if you are, if you're leading a group again, or even if you're just a part of a group and you have a closed mindset, then, then the, every idea that doesn't mesh with whatever you, whatever preconceived notion you have, you were going to reject out of hand. Uh, yep. and, and then the whole group is either going to have to conform to your closed mindedness or drag you along. Um, and that's, I could see how that would shut down a good, uh, a good group dynamic. My question would be how, if you are, if you're a decision maker, how do you ultimately make a decision and, and sort of, 
because we if uh, correct me if maybe I'm wrong about this, but I would get the sense that you could be too open minded. Now, this is actually the section I did the best on in terms all of right. I, I, I was the of all the things. That's the only thing I was above average. Of. <laughs> Everything else I was below average or worse. Um, so. But but I would argue that could you be too open minded where you are spending so much time hearing ideas that you ultimately don't make a decision and you're and you're incapable of of finding of navigating a, a closed path? Yeah, to a certain degree, of course, you've got to create boundaries. But the the basic idea is is just not in terms of what we do, but how we approach the situations that we encounter. Mm. So we approach the situations thinking I could possibly be wrong. Or do we approach the situation saying, I'm right, and we're doing this? And so you can you can implement a decision while also being open to the idea that, hey, as we get along the track with this, we could learn that there's maybe a better way to doing that. Mm. And I'm open, open to hear that, and I'm open to deviating if, if that makes sense to do so. So one of the analogies that I've seen you use, I'm gonna help, I'm gonna I'm gonna help you here because I've read some of your stuff and I think it's good, is is the ship captain? Yep. Right. And so the 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 closed mindset ship captain uh, would uh, I, I believe it's actually more on your on, on the other uh, on the promotion. Yeah. So that's on the next one. Do you want yeah. to jump over there? Well, yeah. But I but I want to I, I this idea though of of setting a course. I feel like open mindedness is actually really you can be open minded but still have a vision for what the cor- where you want to end up. So if you have the goal. Um, and I think all of this, all four mindsets really underscore the idea of being goal oriented, of having a final vision for where you want to be and being able to reassess that and reevaluate your daily steps um, continually in order to to get to that place. Right. I yeah, mean, for that, sure. That, to me, that's sort of the the foundation of where all of this stuff points to. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm jumping to the conclusion too quickly, but that, that. No, I think you're good because with an open mindset, we have that goal, but we don't necessarily attach ourselves to any of the hows about right. how do we get to that right. goal. Right. And I, so far, I mean, and, and the next one is going to do this too. I love how interwoven they are. So this idea of being growth oriented means that you can always learn. Every opportunity is what it's Nelson Mandela's quote is I never lose, I either win or I learn. Um, and, and this idea, you know, you, if you have that growth mindset, then you are, then you are always finding new ways to, to improve. And if you're open-minded, then you are allowing yourself to take in the information that lets you improve. And then the next one, uh, which is prevention versus promotion. I think this one, um, is, is maybe hard for a lot of us, especially because I think the world has sort of changed, uh, to be, to make promotion more beneficial than even it used to be. Yeah. Um, so for sure. what is prevention versus promotion and, and why is promotion better? Let's, let's start there and then we'll, I'll, I'll take some of my ideas about the overarching concept. Yeah. So a prevention mindset is when we're seeking not to fail. Right. A promotion mindset is when we're seeking to win. And uh, uh, let me give that analogy of a ship captain because I think it's really helpful. Is if well, we're it's a ship your analogy, cap- so hopefully you think it's really helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, if we're a ship captain and we have a prevention mindset, our primary focus is on not sinking. So we want to avoid problems. We don't want to take any risk. We mm-hmm. don't want to rock the boat. Right. Somebody yeah. with a promotion mindset, on the other hand, it's they – they're – it's not that they're not concerned about sinking because they are, but their primary focus is on a destination and mm-hmm. making progress towards it. Right. And so 
if a storm comes on the horizon, somebody with a prevention mindset is going to run for the nearest port, the nearest source of safety. Somebody with a promotion mindset, on the other hand, they're going to ask themselves, is that storm between me and my destination? If so, then I'm going to prepare to take on that storm and I'm going to be willing to take the risk to navigate through that storm. Mm. So at the end of the day, those with a prevention mindset end up in a destination that they didn't necessarily choose because they was driven by comfort and safety. It's only those with a promotion mindset that are willing to navigate against the winds and the currents of the sea and end up in a destination of their own proactive design. Mm. And I mean, and like if you, if you take it to its extreme, uh, if you have a, an extreme prevention mindset, then you're as a ship captain, you're never going to leave your port. The port is yeah. the safest place. So yeah. why even go a sea? And then that's, that's that sort of failure to launch concept that a lot of people have, which is, and this again goes back to the, uh, to the paralyzing nature of being with a fixed mindset, right? Because if you have a fixed mindset, you, you mentioned this before, everything hard you attempt is the possibility to fail. And every time you fail, it's, um, it is a, um, an indicator that you are in fact a failure, right? It becomes identifying if you're fixed yeah. in your mindset. In the same way, you know, if you're prevention oriented, then you are that that, that dovetails really nicely because you are never going to attempt anything because again, there is risk involved. So the more the 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 more you choose to risk, the or, or the less you choose to risk, the the it's because you are because you're, you you don't want to expose yourself to that failure concept or that that yeah. that, that that possibility of failure. I feel like if you have more of a growth mindset, you're going to accept a more promotion oriented mindset as well. So that's what theory suggests. The thing that's interesting uh, is across the 10,000 people that have taken my mindset assessment, the correlations between these are not very high. Wow. Which suggests that these are more distinct than what theory would suggest, uh, which has been really mind-blowing to me because I was really It's mind-blowing to me. We, yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Okay, so, so this is – so even if you have a growth mindset, you're not necessarily going to be as promotion-oriented? Yeah. That's the case. That's wild. And, and here's one of the reasons why is because you can be really growth minded in the sense that I believe that I could grow, develop and improve. But if I don't have a clear purpose and a clear destination, mm. then I'm never going to set out uh, away from the harbor. Right. And, and so there, there are instances and in, we, we can think about ways in which somebody can have a growth and, and a prevention or somebody has a fixed and promotion. Uh, so anyways, what I'm seeing is the dynamics are, are really um, complex or they can be complex. And that's one of the values of breaking up how we look at our mindsets into multiple different ways. Mm. Mm. Okay. So how do we, how do we foster a promotion mindset? Yeah. I think the key is you've got to have that destination, a goal, a purpose, a why, because without that, our default is always going to be comfort and security. Right. Right. It's only those that have the purpose, the why, the destination that are willing to get uncomfortable and rumble with that discomfort. Right. Right. So, I mean, how do you, I have ideas, but how do you find your why? Yeah. So one is, you know, this is, again, first of all, probably engage in some deep learning, figure out your why. But let me tell you what, because I used to be very prevention minded. And the thing that made my shift uh, from prevention to promotion was a book. So I was handed a book one day by a gentleman, and the book is called The Five-Minute Journal. 
Oh. And he hands it to me. And I said, in my mind, there is no way I'm journaling. You are not going to get me to journal. He says, this is going to be a life changer. And so I was like, well, I'll try it out for two weeks. And so what the five minute journal does is it's five minutes every day. You, you answer questions about what you're grateful for, what would make today amazing and some self affirmations. As I did this on a daily basis, it forced me to figure out what my destination was for that day. And I started to get into a competition with myself. How do I make today better than yesterday? Mm. And, and this was an example of a perfect mindset exercise to strengthen the more positive mindset neural connections. So as I did this every day, those more positive mindset neural connections became stronger and stronger to the point where I started to rely upon them. more. So mm. in the past, I said, I will never be an entrepreneur. It is too risky. Right. And now what am I? I'm an entrepreneur that's trying to build my own personal brand and my business. Uh, and I focus on developing leaders within organizations. And I would have never done this had I not picked up that five minute journal or at least have it have it given to me. Well, I will put a link to the five minute journal in the show notes so that you guys can buy one. I also have a I, I mean, I'm a big fan of gratefulness journaling uh, and, I, and journaling in general. I have both a like a little journal that I fill out, which has the sections, but I also have just a blank form journal that I love to write in and just get my thoughts out. But I, I cannot emphasize enough the consistency of journaling and what it does for your brain. So I, I'm, I'm on board with that concept and I'm going to start focusing more on the, I'm going to take a look at the five minute journal and, and that may be my new one. It's a game changer. All right. Uh, okay. So, uh, I love that as a solution. And I, um, uh, I, I believe you referenced Michael Hyatt in this area and we've had Michael Hyatt on the show, big fan of his. Uh, yeah. And, so and his full focus planner is what I started to use because the five minute journal is great on a day to day basis. I needed something bigger picture and mm. the full his full focus planner really helps me with that bigger picture. That's great. Yeah. Well, I can put a link to that one too. Uh, okay. So the and final one is inward and outward mindsets. Yeah. So when we have an inward mindset, we see ourselves as being more important than others. Mm. And when we see ourselves as being more important than others, we have a tendency to see others as objects. They're either barriers that stand in our way or objects there to help us or instruments there to help us get where we want to go. When we have an outward mindset, we see others as being just as important as ourselves. When we see others as being just as important, their needs and wants matter just as much as our own needs and wants. This allows us to see them as people and truly value them as such. And so that's that's a big difference is just how do we see ourselves relative to other people and how we see others relative to, to our own value. And that shapes how we interact with people pretty substantially. I agree with that. And I agree that being outwardly mind, outwardly focused is ultimately better for society. And I believe that being outwardly focused is ultimately better for me as an individual. Here's my question. We mm -hmm. sort of exist in a social Darwinism version of capitalism that was started in the 80s, where it's uh, kill or be killed, eat or be eaten. How does, how does an outwardly focused mindset translate to business success if we live in that environment? Yeah, great question. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just give you a more practical example, and then yeah. we're gonna translate that into the business environment. So uh, you're up in Los Angeles, right, Gib? Yep. So homelessness is even a bigger problem there than it is where I'm at in Orange County. 100. But 
every day when I go to work, there's gen- I generally come across one person who's asking for some form of assistance. And uh, on the street corner. Right. And for I'm ashamed to admit this, but for most of my adult life, I would approach that person with the underlying belief that they are not doing the best that they can. Mm-hmm. And when I saw them as not doing the best that they can, I be- quickly become critical of them. And I've left to ask myself, you know, questions like, what are they doing with their time? Why don't they go get a job? But. Um, I read a great book by Brene Brown called Daring Greatly, and she gives this example. But she says, what if you see others as doing the best that they can? Right. And after I read that and I came up to this, the next time I saw a homeless person, I asked myself that question. Are they doing the best that they can? And that led to another question, which was, if if this is the best way that they know how to live, what in the world has happened in their life that has led them to believe that? Hmm. And as I ask myself that question, rather than being critical of them, I become incredibly empathetic. And I think to myself, how can I best navigate this situation in a way that's best for them and a way that's best for myself? Mm. And so it's all about how we approach the people that we associate with, that we work with, that we live with, and how we see them shapes whether we are being critical of them or whether we are valuing them. And seeking to understand them. And when you could value people and seek to understand them, that's when we have teamwork and effective teamwork. It's when we're being critical of others uh, that that breaks down those relationships within the workplace, really any setting. So it's foundational within work, but family life, friends, whatever it might be. Mm. So if, if you make the assumption that people are doing the best that they can that will that that just frames everything but but I still don't see how how that translates to business success in that in that in that more in that more cutthroat environment so so you're exactly right this is kind of goes against right. maybe traditional notions of business there's a fantastic book that's written by Adam Grant and the book is called uh, give and take and he talks about how in the business world, there's three types of people. There's takers, there's givers, and there's matchers. And he talks about in the long run, the people that are most successful are the givers. Mm. They're, and it's the givers are the ones that they seek to give value to those around them. The takers are those that want to take value from those around them. And those are generally the, the people that have an inward mindset. Mm. And then, and those people in the long run are less successful. Yeah. So generally, you have short-term success is it, is and this, long-term failure. This this kind of reminds me of uh, some of the computer modeling for the prisoner's dilemma. Have you seen that? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I don't want to get too in the weeds on this, but there are they did some models for different ways of playing, and one of the ways is to always, always. Um, uh, be selfish, which is always rat on the other person and take the easy road. And the other way is to always be good, always choose to cooperate um, with with your uh, opponent, so to speak. Um, and the cooperators, I believe, did better in the long run than the other ones because of because there are other because of the matchers of the world uh, is which uh, which are the people that if you when you play the game over and over again. Gosh, we're really getting the weeds in the prisoner's dilemma here. The bottom line is, if you are always a taker, the matchers of the world will begin to see you as a taker and will begin to take from you and will no longer be supporting you. 
and the givers of the world will be matched by the matchers and that will overwhelm the takers essentially yep. right yep um it, it, so it creates that positive cycle yeah and it, I, is I, it is it the research with the prisoner's dilemma that leads you to this conclusion or is there other research as well uh there's additional research i don't get too much into into game theory there's uh, another gr um, group who has a set of books that are fantastic. The group is called the Arbinger Institute, and they do consulting all on having an outward mindset. Mm. And a couple of their or a few of their books are Leadership and Self-Deception, The Outward Mindset and Anatomy of Peace, uh, which in all of these books, they, they demonstrate the effect of having an outward mindset has on business and personal success. I mean, and look, you know, that's there's so many there are so many uh, organizations that have been foundational to business success for small business owners and and executives alike. Things like Rotary Club, where where the whole point is you get together with other business people and you do things that are outwardly focused. You do things in the community, and that community focus brings people together and then helps them to foster bonds with one another, and then in the long run leads to long-term business and relational success. Yeah. So, I mean, I buy into the concepts. It ju it's just, it just seems, it seems counterintuitive to so much of the prevailing uh, rhetoric in, the, in specifically, you know, in the Wall Street world. Yeah, and another, the lens that I come at this from is from a leadership lens and developing leaders. Mm. And, and leadership is about your ability to positively influence other people. Which means that if you want to be a successful and effective leader, you need to be somebody that other people want to follow. Well, who do you want to follow? Somebody who sees you as an object or somebody who sees you as a person? Hmm. And, and, and just right there, it, it just makes total sense that we want to attach ourselves and we want to follow those people who see us as people and value us as such. We're going to give our heart, our blood, our sweat, our tears for those types of people we're going to resist the people that uh, that see us as objects. Mm. And so if we want to have a well-oiled machine in terms of an organization, we've got to have people that want to follow us as opposed to people who we have to drag along as we try to get where we want right. to go. Right, right, right. And then that, that, outwardly, that outwardly focused nature will... will will lend itself to that sort of, I don't want to say symbiotic feeling, but the, the kumbaya feeling that you're kind of yeah. talking about. Uh, so I, I'm a former Gallup consultant and Gallup, one of the things that Gallup does is they focuses, they focus on employee engagement mm -hmm. and they have a measure with 12 questions to assess employee engagement. And what they find is across all of their research is 30% of the workforce is engaged. Only 30% of the workforce is engaged. Oh, I believe that. I think they may even be high. <laughs> yeah. And and what what I did when I was at Gallup is I looked at these 12 items that they have and I asked and, and did some data analysis to identify which one of these 12 items is the most important for driving engagement in an organization. And that number one factor is your belief that your opinions count at work. Okay. You see, if somebody could strongly agree to this, giving a, a, a five on a five point scale, 95% of those employees were engaged in their work. In other words, if you have a say, which means the leader is open-minded and they value your opinion, which means that they are, have an outward mindset, 
then we are engaging people at work. We are getting so much more out of them than the other 70% who aren't engaged. Mm. So if we want to create an environment and an organization that brings about the best in our people, we've got to have these more positive mindsets. Interesting. Interesting. Well, Ryan, I've taken up a lot of your time today, and I uh, I'm, we're going to have to have you back and go more into this. Um, if you would like to follow up and and take these mindset assessments so that you can understand where you're at on these continuums, because I thought I was good. I am not as good as I as I thought I was on a lot of these continuums. Uh, I'll put a link uh, for where to go to, to uh, Ryan Gottfredson's website. It's ryangottfredson.com uh, if you if you don't want to go into the show notes, that's how you find it. Um, but again, link there where you can take these assessments. Uh, one, one, I'm going to ask you two more questions, Ryan. I ask it to everybody first and foremost. Uh, how can people follow up with you beyond the, the assessment website? Yeah, the website's great. LinkedIn is probably the next place that I'm most active. Uh, there's not too many Gottfordsons out there, so it's pr- I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, I do want to mention- put a to- link to Ryan's, to Ryan's uh, LinkedIn in the, in the show notes. Perfect. I, I, I do want to mention something. Give. I mean, you've been a fantastic host and it's been great. And thank you for your vulnerability about talking about your mindset results. I think it's really important for us to recognize that mindsets generally aren't something that we work on. Right. And if we haven't worked on them, should we expect to be great in these? No, no. Well, no. The, the gym analogy was so, was so powerful for me. Yeah. And so when you take your assessment and you you have results that you're probably not very happy to see, this isn't about, and not that you've done this, but for other people, this isn't about beating yourself up. Right. It's what you said earlier. It's an identification of a starting place and then help you to get clarity on the destination mm. that, that you could head towards. And once you have that clarity, now what we're doing is we're making what has largely been unconscious in our lives conscious. Mm. And and as we do that, we're better able to navigate our lives more effectively. So rather than being the passenger of our lives, having a non-conscious factors dictate how we think, how we learn, how we behave, we're, as we become conscious, we now become the drivers of right. our lives. And right. so hopefully what this mindset assessment does is really empowers people to become more of the drive, driver in their lives. Right. I mean, you can you can think that you're one of the strongest people in the world, but until you actually get into a gymnasium and start lifting weights, you don't know whether you don't know you don't have a rubric for evaluating that. In the same way, you may think that you have this positive mindset, but until you start going through this this process, you 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 don't have a way of measuring that. Exactly, yeah. and and the problem is, as as you just kind of alluded to, is we all tend to think how we think is the best way to think. Yeah, like or else we would think differently. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Uh, Which is like ninety percent of what this, uh, which is which is kind of the opposite of what each of these factors uh, are trying to undo. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Finally, and I ask this to everybody: What is one thing we can start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better? Well. There's so much depth to this. Is one uh, a basic thing you could do is take the mindset assessment to awaken <laughs> to your mindset. Of course. Two is just focus on shifting our mindsets for our own personal development. Mm. And I don't know about you, Gib, but when I have in the past, when I focused on developing myself, I primarily focused on improving my behaviors. Mm-hmm. But but what what are we gonna fall back to? If we hit a stressful situation, are we going to fall back 
to the improved behaviors that we've been working on, or we're going to fall back to our prevailing mindsets. Right, right. You see, our prevailing, our mindsets, if we don't focus on those in our personal development, they'll resist any efforts that we have to improve. Mm -hmm. A much more natural way to develop ourselves is to push forward our mindsets. And Mm -hmm. as we do that, our thinking will naturally improve so will our behavior and consequently so will our success and so i think if we could just change people's focus in developing themselves away from behaviors as well as intended that is to their mindsets they and we are going to be so much more successful yeah there you have it well solid stuff thank you ryan so much for your time and uh we'll have to have you back when you write the book about all this all right let's do it that'd be great i appreciate it That's it for our show today. Hope you really enjoyed my interview with Ryan Godfordson. I am still here with Young. Young, you want to say hi again? What's up? Uh, I don't know if you can hear me. He said, what's up in the background? We are finishing again. John Tesh, Songs and Stories from the Grand Piano. If you like Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It helps us out a lot. A couple of you have been doing that recently. Makes a big difference. Also, if there's somebody that you think needs to hear this episode, share it with them. It literally doubles our listenership every time you guys share it. Makes a big difference. Today's show was written and produced by me, Gib Gerard, produced by Chrissy Wallen, executive producer, John Tesh. If you want to follow up with us, facebook.com slash John Tesh is where we spend most of our time. We do Facebook Lives. We post videos, uh, all kinds of ways to follow up with us there. Uh, Also, make sure you're checking your local public television station for when John Tesh Songs and Stories comes out. If they're not airing it, give them a call. Tell them you want to hear it. You want to see it. Uh, Also, make sure you're checking out Tesh.com to see when it comes out. John is also on Twitter, at John Tesh, on Instagram, at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard, Facebook.com slash Gib Gerard, at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. I try to respond to every DM and message and mention that you guys do about the show because, again, I do this show for you. Uh, If you guys have something, a topic you want me to cover or a person you want me to talk to, that is the place to ask me. And I have had a couple of guests on because of listener recommendations. So uh, keep those coming, guys, because, again, uh, we can't do this without you. So thank you so much for listening.